Paul asks a lot of questions. In our reading today, Paul asked seven questions in 14 verses. I was never one for math, but that seems like five or six questions too many. If a student were to ask that many questions in an essay or a letter of explanation, the student would probably receive an incomplete and be asked to try again. Now, don't get me wrong, it would be above my pay grade to ask Paul, St. Paul, to rewrite his letter. So here we are, stuck together with seven questions spread over 14 verses that make up 18 sentences. Paul is asking rhetorical questions. But come on, Paul! We're turning to you for answers, not more questions leading to a rabbit hole to follow as we try to lean into the Holy Scriptures. Who will condemn us? Who is against us? Who can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? As a parent, I have a love-hate relationship with questions. Our youngest, Nora, she has just entered the two-year-old stage of asking questions. Well, she really only asks one question. Nora, you can't use the chef knife to help make dinner. Why? Nora, you can't use the vinyl records as plates for your tea party. Why? Nora, stop throwing your brother's baseballs in the house. Why? Then, there are the rhetorical questions that I will use to prove a point as a parent or correct a behavior. Do you think it's a good idea to look into the hose as you turn on the faucet? Should you really encourage your two-year-old sister to ride the 17-pound dog like a horse? Paul's use of rhetorical questions is an attempt to imply, to make crystal clear to his audience that if they, if we sense any ambiguity about the answers to his questions, who will condemn us? Who is against us and who can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? If there's any ambiguity, then we need to go back and begin his letter again. On first glance, though, the answer to two of Paul's questions, who will condemn us? Who is against us? The answer seems like it might be everyone. It's easy to make our default response to Paul's questions an individual response. Common sense, our experience living in this world, tells us that there are probably people who are against us. But this is not a rhetorical exercise designed to encourage us into list-making, naming all of the people we have wronged or who hold a grudge against us. Fleming Rutledge said Paul's message, for which he lived and for which he died, was the exact opposite of common sense. Paul is talking about something bigger, much bigger. What appears to condemn, be held against, or separate us are things like hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and the sword. While Paul might be asking questions, he also gave us the answers. And his answers are crystal clear. No one is against us. No one will condemn us. No one, nothing, there is nothing that can separate us, can separate you from the love of Christ. No one. 
nothing. The answers are obvious. The answers make perfect sense in the light of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. But while the answers make perfect sense, there is always the risk that we will overthink, we will overanalyze the situations around us, creating gray spaces that invite us to come to a conclusion that is the exact opposite of the obvious answers intended by Paul. Last Sunday, a pastor friend of mine listed all of the catastrophes that have happened so far in 2020. You're thinking it was probably a long sermon. To get things started, back in January, which seems like forever ago, 46 million acres burned in Australia as wildfires ripped across the continent. A 46 million acre wildfire? That's a wildfire the size of Syria. And while we're talking about fires, Chernobyl, that abandoned nuclear site in Russia, it caught on fire. There have been two swarms, not one, of locusts in East Africa devouring everything in its path. Friends, it's not just a pandemic with 14 million plus cases and 610,000 plus deaths worldwide, 141,000 plus deaths here in the United States. It's not difficult to open the morning paper or your web browser and to begin to think that maybe St. Paul was wrong. Paul asked, who will condemn us? Who is against us? Who can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Maybe 2020. We're halfway through the year, and I worry that the murder hornets of June are going to resurface in August, or worse, vanilla ice really will begin touring again. We all know the answers to Paul's questions. Because God is for us, because God is our creator and our sustainer, nothing, no one can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. There is no one who can be against us. No one can condemn us. We know the answers to Paul's questions, and yet when we read headlines about the temperature in Siberia, Russia, that place where political opponents and governmental dissidents are sent. Temperatures in that place being hotter than Siberia, Indiana, or Washington, D.C. We allow what is happening around us and around the world to create the gray space necessary for the answer of no one and nothing to transform into everyone and everything, including just maybe God. In 1741, John Edwards, a Protestant theologian, philosopher, and revivalist preacher, preached a sermon titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Using the imagery of hell, combined with observations of the world, headlines of the day, and citing scripture, Edwards preached that it is the will of God that keeps the wickedness of humanity from the depths of hell. At one point, Edwards depicted God as a sadistic juvenile, dangling spiders over a fire. In his book, Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, a rebuking of John Edwards, Pastor Brian Zahn asked the question, does God abhor sinners, that's us, and view them as worthy of nothing else than to be cast into hellfire? Is God accurately represented when depicted as a faceless, 
and remorseless white giant whose anger fuels the raging flames of hell. To put the question another way, does God so detest sin and those who commit sin that God is willing to turn a divine blind eye on creation or worse, send the plagues again to East Africa while raising the temperature in Siberia to 100 plus degrees or send a catastrophic worldwide pandemic? While it may be easy to nod to Edwards when reading the latest headlines, St. Paul and Jesus himself tell us otherwise. Who will condemn us? Who is against us? Who can separate us from the love of God in Christ? Paul continues, If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us. Will he not with him also give us everything else? Jesus told his followers that the extravagance of God's love manifested to the fullest in the kingdom of God is like that of a tiny mustard seed. It can appear small and insignificant, but when the mustard seed grows, the seed becomes a tree. It is the greatest of shrubs with room for the birds of the air to come and nest. The truth is, it is cheap theology to look at the happenings of the world and to assume that God is in some way asleep at the wheel or worse, punishing creation. To do so ignores not only what St. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, but it also ignores the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul's rhetorical questions leave the gate open and open the possibility for us to grossly misinterpret, running amok with the amazing grace, the amazing love of God in Christ that has and continues to be freely given to all people and all of creation. Pastor Brian Zahn continued, God has a disposition towards sinners, and it is the Spirit of Jesus. This is the beautiful gospel. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time when God was not like Jesus. We have not always known this, but we do. God is like Jesus. God is not a sadistic monster who abhors sinners and dangles them over a fiery pit. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. I offer it to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.